Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the taxi centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees, They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. You're not always going to win in a fantastic free-flowing style. Maybe like we did second half Saturday when everyone's excited. This this game was more nervous. It was about uh, showing a different side to the team and making sure that we, we ground out the result. Three points is three points, the same as we got on Saturday. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Hosted by Rob McLean, Barry Ferguson and Stephen Cragen. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! Well, it was the never-in-doubt doubleheader for Scotland, wasn't it? A stoppage time winner against Israel at Hamden on Saturday, a bit earlier last night in the Faroes, just the 86 minutes gone when Lyndon Dyke scored for the fifth game on the spin. Four straight wins for Scotland and three points away from a place in the World Cup playoffs. How was it for you, former Scotland skipper Barry Ferguson? Yeah, listen, it was um, a poor display, Rob, let's be honest, in the, the first half, slightly better in the second half but one thing about this Scotland team of late they know how to grind a result out and they kept going until the end and they got that vital goal four minutes from the end a great three points a great camp six points in, in two games and now it's on to Moldova and if we go there and we get the three points that's us in the playoff so overall not a great display but the most important thing is they get the three points what are you thinking about performance versus result last night? Are you worried that, uh, that that wouldn't be good enough against better opposition? Or are you just happy that Stevie Clark and his team just seem to find a way of winning? And what is the point in over-analysing it, Stephen Cragen? Listen, if Scotland get themselves to the World Cup finals, people won't look back and think, remember that game in the Faroes? We were awful. That will be buried deep, Rob. It's simply all about in, in qualification games clocking up the points, clocking up the perform- uh, the wins, making sure you get there. That's four straight wins for Scotland. I think that, uh, that I read today somewhere they're on, on route to possibly having their best campaign points total-wise if they can beat Moldova away from home in 18 or 19 years, 20 years. So that just shows how far the team have came. People are critical still of Steve Clark for some reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they want to see from their team, but certainly winning football games is the most important thing. Yeah, some people are never happy. What did you think, though? Uh, are you concerned about the level of the performance last night, particularly, as Barry said, in the first half? Or are you just happy that Scotland are on this winning run and one way or another, Stevie Clark and his team seem to manage to get it all sorted in the end? 0808 17 17 700 if you want to join the football conversation with us. Text GO and your message to 87474 on the socials at GO Football show Pharaoh's nil Scotland won Stevie Clark no no it was a it was a tough night we said we knew it would be a tough night it was the it was the game we expected uh, big credit to the Faroe Islands I thought they were they were terrific especially first half they really caused us one or two problems and I'm, I'm pleased my goalkeeper had the performance that he did have uh, safe one great save and safe hands all night which just kept us from getting too nervous 
he did prepare us for it, Stevie Clark, didn't he, beforehand? Uh, we knew it wasn't going to be straightforward. Uh, Austria had worked for their win uh, on Saturday night in the Faroes. And of course, the, the runaway group winners, Denmark, uh, took 85 minutes to score in the Faroes when they played their body. So no great surprise that we just had to grind it out. Yeah, he did warn us, Stevie Clark. I think the last 15 home games for the Faroes, they've won seven of them. So he did point out that it was going to be a tough night. Remember the last game against Farrells even at Hamden. It wasn't until the latter stages of the game that we took control of it. So, look, it wasn't a great performance, as I say, Rob, but who cares? Mm. It was three points. That was the main thing last night. And the main thing about the, this group of players is they kept going. And um, he made vital changes towards the end. Nathan Patterson, what a ball he put in in Lyndon Dykes got in that area Craig's will, will probably say defenders don't like the ball going in between the goalkeeper and the, the centre half that corridor um, they don't like so no I don't care see two or three weeks down the line nobody will think of the performance Some uh, people just look back and look at it as three points and move on it strikes me, Craigs, that today, looking at a lot of the reaction, there's been a bit of overreaction to to people who are saying that was desperate, that was awful. How how can we mm. how can we play that badly? Um, but because when when I th- watching it and commentating on it last night, yeah, the first half was pretty awful to be honest, and we were very lucky not to be behind in the game by at least a goal, uh, to be mm. honest. But second half, even even before Lyndon Dyke scored, there was the John McGinn header. He should have scored. London Dykes had a header. I think he should have scored. So Scotland were actually creating chances to win the game before they eventually did win it. I think it's because of the timing of the goal. Because it's so late in the game. You know, by that stage, it's a little bit more desperation, a little bit more panic. Uh, people start to become a bit more fearful. But just touching on and, and Fergie's point about Nathan Patterson, the composure he had, and he was really relaxed putting the ball in that area. You know, sometimes you, as a young player... You watch young players, they get in the final third, they know how much it means. They try and force a cross and they overhead it or they underhead it. But he was really relaxed in what he was doing. And, you know, Scotland continually in the second half put the ball in the right areas. He just didn't have that finishing touch. John McGinn a little bit earlier would have taken a little bit of pressure away. But when you're an underdog, uh, or even if you're an overwhelming favourite of Scotland were, Scotland wanted the early goal to try and take the sting out of Faroe Islands. If that doesn't come early on, the Faroes grow in confidence. They get better. They feel better about themselves. They start to grow into the game. That's exactly what happened. So Scotland then start to think, this game is harder than what it should be because we haven't taken a chance. We haven't got the lead. And then they grow and then it becomes a bit of a battle and a scrap. But still having the mindset and the ability to go and win the game. Because I don't think people understand how emotionally draining Saturday night would have been for them. Scoring so late in the game, being so high, not being able to sleep after the game, thinking about the Pharaohs, having a little bit of travel. The come down from that, Rob, is enormous. If I spoke to Ian Crocker last night, who had done the game, he said he was still in a high like two or three days later. You know, the emotions of all are, are just all over the place. Croc struggles with two games in four days. <laughs> so, sometimes, man, I thought Andy Robertson summed it up perfectly. He said that emotionally, he says that it was a real drop from us. But seeing their way to get through games and win games... I think that has to be the big point. I guess the other side of that coin, though, would be that the Pharaohs were through exactly the same thing. The Pharaohs played Austria on Saturday night. That would that was another tough game for them. They only made one change to the team for for last night, so, so they had to go through that two games in pretty quick time as well. Yeah, but the pressure was on Scotland, Rob. Um, no doubt about it. They were the the favourites going into the game, um, and I, I thought, listen, as I says to you. We all want to play, as footballers, you want to play the perfect game. Sometimes you've got to scrap and dig a result out, and that's what they done last night. Um, they showed real good character, and that's something that this squad or team that 
um, Steve Clark's put together. This is the, the biggest thing that's um, jumped out at me. Um, there's real good characters. They keep going to the end. And that's what you have to do sometimes in games of football. Would you have Nathan Patterson as an automatic choice now for Scotland? Would you just keep it simple and if he's available and fit, play him? Yeah, I, I say as before the, the double header, people were asking me about my, my team. He was my 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 first pick at wing back. Um going back to the game against Israel, I thought he had a sticky first half, I'm being honest with you. Yeah. At half time you don't know whether Steve Clark's going to change it. But I thought the second half the young man came out and showed great character and I thought he was terrific in the second half. Bit surprised he was left out of the team. But Steve Clark made the change seven minutes from then. He comes over, uh, comes on, sorry, and as Craig says, he whipped in a delightful ball. And um, thankfully, Lyndon Dykes was there. But yep, he's definitely for me the future for uh, Scotland. And even, but, but apart from the future, is he also the present? Would you just play him? Would would you? Yeah, would he'd he be my be, number one he, pick. He'd, he'd always be in your yes. first choice team. Yep, number yeah. one pick. I think the hard bit though is, you know. It, I think that you know the, the the internationals are finishing next month. There's two games next month again, but to be playing two games a month isn't going to be enough to keep himself established mm. as a Scotland player at this moment in time. Because they get the March and he's only played three games over that Christmas period in January, February. You know, so clearly he needs to play more minutes for Rangers. The fact that he played against Hibs recently will have been a big boost. He will now think I've got an opportunity to play more games. Hopefully, there's going to be more rotation in that right back area for him, so he gets more minutes of club football. Because there's no doubt he's an outstanding talent. But as a young man, and and, and that he probably struggled a little bit in the first half against Israel because he hasn't played an awful lot for Rangers. Yes, he played against Hibs before they met up, but but one game every three weeks isn't enough. As a young man, you need to be getting consistency and finding your fitness levels and finding your touch. And then suddenly you come to an international game and it's you know a lot quicker and a lot more intense, and you think, oh. I'm a little bit away from it. So Steve Clark did keep him in. He'll get better for it. But I think the more minutes he gets for Rangers, the more we'll see him grow. Yep, I think that's what made Steve Clark's decision because what Craig's just mentioned there. He played uh, against Hibernian. Um I think if he never played, I think it would have been a harder choice for him. Um, but as I said, he had a sticky first half. But for a young man, he showed real good character and mentality. And I thought the second half against Israel, he, he was terrific bombing forward, which we've all become used to maybe disappointed that he get left out of the team but he come on and he, again he, he he comes up with that perfect moment with a, with a great cross isn't he and for Lyndon Dykes I just wonder whether that in itself was a massive step forward for a 19 year old he's, he's 20 on Saturday Nathan Patterson the fact that he he'd struggled so badly um I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd been hooked at halftime against Israel because it was really uncomfortable for him. Um, the team wasn't playing well. He was toiling, caught in possession, some poor passes. But the fact that he came back out and played as well as he did second half, that must be the, the making of a player in it's some respects. Great for his development, Rob. Sometimes when you're a young player breaking in, you need to go through tough times. And he did have a tough first half. There's no doubt about it. But as we just spoke about a minute or so ago, he came out in the second half and I thought that was the Nathan Patterson that we've all watched for Rangers bombing forward, getting crosses in. Um, and look, I, I just think he's got all the attributes to be a top, no, just a right back, a wing back as well. I wonder um, if Stevie Clark, given the selection again, would have started with Patterson and it would also, Crags have started with Callum McGregor. The thing is, the players he's bringing in they're not below average players. You know, he clearly put Ryan Fraser in thinking we'll have more of the ball. He can play higher up the pitch. 
he's got maybe more of a trick or a dribble in him and he, you know, he can make something happen. So I understand why he's trying to do but that. But is he rusty? Well, possibly. But then Nathan Patterson has just played a game on the Saturday, having just played uh, the previous week against Tibbs. He's thinking, well, you know, I, I don't want to go and flog the young man. He done well in the second half. Okay, he's feeling good about himself. If we can get ourselves ahead two or three up, I'll bring him on and just let him have more minutes. Ultimately, he brings him on and he, you know, he makes the difference. So, um, Callum McGregor as well, possibly. You know, Callum's a, a smashing footballer, but you know, he's just that back after a long-term injury out for a while with Celtic. Um, he decided to try and mix it up and go something different. That's what you do as a manager. You try and make changes just to keep the thing fresh. You've got a, you know, a huge pool of players to try and appease and keep up. That midfield area is the most competitive part of the Scotland team. So you've got to try and keep them in. But just back on the Nathan Patterson on the finish, you know, Barney spot on that football isn't all highs and plaudits, Rob. Football's about learning about people's individual character. And I think that's what Nathan Patterson will have learned about himself first half and second half on Saturday. And that's the one thing that will probably please him and he'll take the most away from the trip. Yes, he did assist last night, but thinking, I've suffered and there was a few groans in the crowd and people were probably getting frustrated with him. But he had the mentality to get through that and still be strong in the second half and come out the other side of it. He'll have more of those days, believe me. We've talked a lot uh, about Patterson's delivery and we'll talk more about Lyndon Dykes and the, the quality of his finishing at the moment. It doesn't matter how you score them as long as you do, and he's doing that very consistently. Uh, but what about that first half save from Craig Gordon, a goalkeeper at the top of his game at the moment, and afterwards um, acknowledging the difficulty of the night um, and that's a vital goal at the end. We did say sort of pre-match that we, we would need to play the full 90 minutes. We, we knew Denmark only got a late goal here and you know, the fears made it very difficult for us, but we, we stuck to it. We, we kept going and we found a way in the end. It wasn't pretty. We, we knew it wasn't our, our best performance coming off at the end, but it's three points nonetheless and right at the, the vital stage in this group. Barry, you played with him at the other end of his international career. At the age of 38, has he ever been better? He's just getting better wage, Rob. Pretty similar um, to Alan McGregor. I think he's got better wage. Um, fantastic saves. Look, top goalkeepers produce top moments, and that was that was um, a top save last night. Um, I keep going back to it. Why Celtic let him go? It's dumb. It still bamboozles me. Um, but listen, Celtic's loss was Hearts gain. Um, he was vital for them in getting promoted last year out of the Championship. He's continued that form into the Premier League this season. And um, he's just, for me, he's one of the top goalkeepers about. Still at 38, I still think he's got another few years left in him. He looks still agile, um, good communicator. He was always a top goalkeeper in my eyes. Um, and it just delighted that he's got his place back. I feel a wee bit sorry for David Marshall. He was great, mm. um, obviously, in the Euros. But listen, things have happened at Derby. David Marshall can't uh, sort out so that's opened the door for, for Craig Gordon to come in and last night produced a wonderful reflex save He'd three years out of the Scotland team he'd two years where he didn't play any football at all it really is a remarkable story um, where his career looked to be over um, he's come back and he is such an important part of that Scotland side I mean that save is as important as the yeah. Dykes goal isn't it? I think first of all, you know, Barry said when he left Celtic to go to Hearts, that just epitomises him as an individual. That he wasn't just going to Hearts to see his career out, play a few games, and if it works, it works. He was going to show everybody what he's all about. He still believed in himself. And the one thing about him, Rob, I see him in goals now, particularly even for Scotland, he's so imposing. He looks really comfortable in his own skin. It's as if I know I'm a good goalkeeper. I know I'm going to make saves. I'm going to be hard to beat. He looks so confident 
and, and so focused on what he's trying to do. And he makes saves look easy. It looks as if he's going to save everything at times because he is that good. And and and, and when you're in a moment like that as a player, whether a defender or a goal, you always talk about goal scorers being in the moment where you think they're always going to score. I always think he's going to make a save. That's the confidence that oozes from him, his body language, how he carries himself. And I think that transfers to the players in front of him and around about him. That if they do make a mistake or someone gets in, they're always thinking, Craig's probably going to save this. Barry played with, with Alan McGregor. Rangers players probably think the same. Uh, McGregor's going to save this. I think that's the aura he has about him now. And that's credit to him where he was in his career, where he's been and where he's going because Barry's spot on. He's got years left in him the way he's been at the minute. I, I really get what Craggs is saying there. Just watching him playing this season, be it for Scotland, be it for Hearts, you just think it's going to take a hell of a shot or a hell of a header to actually find its way past him. Yep, I, I've watched him plenty of times this season. He's a, he's a presence. That's what he is in goal. Um, and he's good with the ball at his feet. He's a great shot stopper. He's, he comes and dominates cross balls you think he's good with the ball at his feet despite yeah, what was, what was said about him when he was left out of the Celtic team yeah we spoke about it off air um, I was surprised when Brendan Rodgers had said that that was one of the things that he wasn't quite uh, good at always felt when I played with Craig Gordon at Scotland that was one thing he can handle the ball at his feet um, I was surprised um, that was one of the reasons why he got left out of the Celtic team I don't yeah. think anybody came in to Celtic after that was any better. I think he brought the freeze in. He brought the freeze yeah. in. He brought in the Scott Bain coming under Brendan as well, possibly. I think he did. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're any better with their feet yeah. than what Craig Gordon is. People were just over, probably overly critical of Craig when they didn't need to be, but they were looking to blame someone. So it had to go to Craig's door, unfortunately. But no, I don't think it was anything any better than Craig Gordon. And it went well last night, didn't it, for Craig Gordon? What a save in the first half. What a goal from London Dykes. Uh, four minutes from time in the Faroes. And it's on to match day nine now in the World Cup qualifiers. Friday, the 12th of November, five o'clock kickoff, Scotland in Moldova. Another three points, and we're in the playoffs. The Go Radio Football Show with the taxicenter.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go, 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 go. Remember, remember, the 12th of November. We're hardly likely to forget it. We'll be talking about it plenty between now and then. It's Moldova against Scotland. It's uh, five o'clock, Barry. Get your. Uh, Get that in your diary. It's a bit of a funny kickoff time. Mind you, Scotland Israel was uh, five o'clock on Saturday evening, wasn't it? At Hamden. Um, and it's a five o'clock start in that game. Three more points, one more win. And Scotland are into the playoffs. We haven't qualified for the World Cup at that stage, but it, it will be a, an important, significant step towards it and then we start thinking about what happens next let's get ahead of ourselves it's Barry Ferguson Stephen Craigan and Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday evening on the back of Pharaoh's nil Scotland won 86 minutes when Lyndon Dykes scored the arm was not involved it took VAR quite a while to work that out it looked fairly obvious early on I think as you were looking at those uh, reruns did you not think so Craig? well Still, when you see it, I don't know if it's higher up his arm. You know, clearly he doesn't put it in with his arm. It was, honestly, it's so close. I think, oh, cam camera-wise, it's really, you know, they probably there's not been as many cameras surrounding that game as there would be. Did you have dodgy reception where you were? <laughs> You're not being biased, Rob, are you? <laughs> let's, uh, let's get Gordon from uh, Tartan Scarf podcast involved in this discussion. Uh, Gordon, how are you? I'm really great. I'm really well, thank you. A um, bit of a nervy watch last night, but you know, honestly, 
the win is the only thing that matters. We move on, we're one win away. Am I right in thinking you may have been in a well-known bar in Glasgow City Centre watching it last night? I might have been, yes. Yeah, I frequented the Horseshoe Bar last <laughs> night and it was, yeah, great atmosphere. And the Horseshoe brought us luck as well. Um, fantastic uh, outcome. Were, were, how worried were you or were you not worried? It's quite, quite strange watching Scotland these days because uh, we're, we're, we've maybe come to expect a late winner now. Well, especially under Steve Clark recently, we have this habit of seeming to be better in the second half. So when it got to nil-nil, I thought at halftime, you think they, they took quite a while to get their eye in with the passing. And I think the pitch maybe flummoxed some of the players a little bit. And I thought, no, second half will be better. We'll be okay. But as you see that clock tick away, you start to think, is this chance going to come? And look, the fact it came from a very fortuitous goal, we, you know, like I said, we take it, we move on. We forget about it. We don't need to get too hung up on how we got it. We got it. That's all that matters. And then, Barry, that, uh, the board went up and it was seven minutes of added time. But Scotland managed that period, I thought, really well. Yeah, they, they did. That's one thing. Once the goal went in, uh, as you said there, Rob, I thought they managed um, the game until the, uh, the final whistle. Um, that's when the, the key players like Callum McGregor's and Billy Gilmore's, I know Billy Gilmore come off um, at 90 minutes, but you need your experience, guys, to see the game out. And that's what Scotland done really well. Um, but look, as I said, I don't care how you play. It's all about winning games of football. And that's what they're, they're doing under Steve Clark. And as I said, I've looked back in the uh, Faroe Islands over the last um, couple of years and some teams have went there and struggled, Rob. Mm. Um, we did in the first half, there's no doubt about it. But listen, we showed... We showed we had a bit about us in the second half. It was slightly better. Billy Gilmore, I thought, was outstanding again for us. He was. Yep, he's becoming the key player um, for Scotland. But look, the main thing is three points. It's in, still in our own hands. We now need to go to Moldova. And I'm sure we'll go to Moldova and get the three points here. Gordon, put Stephen Craig in right about that uh, London Dykes goal and the, the VAR check. I mean, there was never any doubt about it, was there? No, I don't think so. I think there was confusion in the bar as to what VAR was actually checking. Obviously, in commentary, they were talking it was the handball. It may have been offside as well. I mean, Lyndon Dykes, the way he makes those runs is fantastic. He saw the same on Saturday against Israel. The run he made was just absolutely brilliant to meet the cross. But no, I think the three plays that I could see certainly looked like it came, the ball came off his midriff and went straight in the goal. And when you're getting yourself in the right position as a striker, you're going to get one of those every now and again. Okay, Craig's happy about that. You, you're outnumbered. The only person who can answer that is Lyndon Dykes. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see in 15 years' time when he retires from football, <laughs> he says, you know what, see that goal in the Pharaohs? I actually hit it off the top of my arm. It'll be interesting to see. I just thought there was a couple of angles that looked as if it wasn't far away. Listen, it's tucked in, I, you know, I get all that, but if there's any inclination that touches any part of his arm, it would be ruled out because they say you shouldn't score a goal by your arm or by your hand. But thankfully, it's gone Scotland's way. If it's that little bit of luck you need or that lucky deflection onto him, so be it. I think he's the first man since Colin Steen over 50 years ago, Barry, to, to score for in four Scotland games in a row. Yeah, he's been a, a great find for, for Stevie Clark. I like him. He's not just a physical presence, Rob. He, look, we all know he's good in the air. I think he's got a decent first touch, but what I like about him is he's a real team player. He, his work rate's phenomenal. And he'll be a big miss. Remember, he's suspended. Yeah. for the Moldova game um, it'll be interesting to see who starts up top do we go with, with two up top But Ryan Christie's out as well yep he's suspended um, but Lyndon Dykes has been a, a great find just glad that he, he chose Scotland over Australia yeah he's going to be a miss Gordon isn't he in that game in a month's time 
Oh, absolutely, he will. I mean, he's he's been absolutely pivotal to everything, to a lot of what's been good about this Scotland side. You know, you're right. This is the start there. First first score in four consecutive games in 52 years for Scotland, which yeah. just just shows shows how good an achievement that is. Yeah, and Stevie Clark certainly uh, was underlining the the wisdom of that decision of London Dykes when he had a choice to make about which country he was going to play for, and he went for the blue of Scotland. He made a good choice, didn't he? Coming to play for us, so no, no, please with Lyndon. I know, I know what I get off Lyndon. I know, I know, I know what he brings to the team. Sometimes he doesn't get the credit he deserves, but this run, of, this run of games and the goals that he's scoring, the important points that he's winning, is is, is, is just is just part of the the whole setup. Everyone wants to be successful, and, and Lyndon's a big part of that. Yeah, I gave him a big hug on Saturday as well, because he was a little bit sad that he'd missed the penalty. I was trying to make my players feel good when they come off the pitch. Listen, it was an important goal for us. There's no doubt about it. He's attacking that near post space well. Wasn't a dissimilar goal to the one he scored on Saturday when he got across the first defender, got the contact, and it went in. A bit nervous waiting on the VAR, but thankfully it fell on our side again. So he got a hug last night, whether he wanted it or not, from uh, Stevie Clark. He got a hug at the weekend mm. as well. It would be getting plenty of hugs at the moment because those goals just keep going in. I think it's 20 games now for Scotland and six, mm. six goals. I um, thought it was more than that. Just strangely, I just felt as if he'd scored more goals than six for Scotland. Mm. He's, you know, even at Livingston at Queen of the South, you wouldn't class them as a natural goal scorer. I think that's probably the side of his game he's had to work hardest at. You know, you know, we know he's got a good appetite, he's good in the air, he's dynamic, he chases about, he holds a ball, he fights with centre halves. Probably wasn't as prolific as what maybe he would like to have been, you know, within the last couple of years. But he's got eight goals in fifteen games this season for club and country. So that tells him be the tides just turning, whoever he's working with. Tell him to get across the near post. You look at the best strikers, Henrik Larsson and Ali McCoy, certainly players who were prolific in this country. Getting across the near post, getting across the front of centre half, giving yourself a better chance. If he brings that to his game or continues to bring that to his game, then the goals will continue to flow. Will he, Barry, join the likes of McGinn and Tierney and Robertson and McTominay playing in the English Premier League? Well, if he continues the, the good form at, at QPR, you never know what could happen. Um, I, I was just disappointed to see him leave your game up here. I thought maybe a, a Rangers or Celtic might have took a sniff at did they, him. Did they miss out? Yeah, but what was it, just over £1 million? Mm. It's not a lot of money. Um, I was disappointed to see him leave. It's a great story. Three years ago, he's playing in the Championship, mm. Queen of the South. Gets his move to, to Livingston. Done a great job up there and obviously gets his move down to the Championship. But I'd have liked to have seen him stay up here. But he's played... That's the issue. Would he have played as many games? Yeah, that's a good shout, Craigs. Um, that's a choice that he would have to make, make himself, whether Rangers or Celtic did make contact with him. Um, but listen, he's, he's doing really well. He's had a good start to the season down at QPR. Mm. He's now a, I would probably say, one of the first picks mm -hmm. in the national team yeah. as well. So if he continues this form, you never know. Gordon, are Patterson and Gilmore first picks for you for, for a Scotland team at the moment because obviously Gilmore did start last night despite the fact he hasn't, he hasn't played the last couple of games for Norwich um, Patterson didn't start but came on and obviously played a crucial part in the in the goal Yeah absolutely and obviously Patterson started on Saturday against Israel and you know I don't think he had a good first half but many players didn't but he came on to a game and I think that's what you have to ex accept when you're playing younger players they have phenomenal talent they have phenomenal potential you have to give them the opportunity to make mistakes, to grow, to learn, and you'll get the rewards of them coming back better. And yeah, Nathan Patterson goes from strength to strength in a position that we really need a long-term solution to. You know, he could have that position for the next 10 years. 
And Billy Gilmore, I genuinely, I, I'm frightened to think about how, how high his career could go because the talent he has is, is unmatched. It's really impressive. Gordon, talk to me about the playoffs um, because there's a lot of confusion about them and obviously things can change and positions can uh, shuffle around between now and match days 9 and 10, which are coming up next month. Um, Who are the seeded teams at the moment? Who are the unseeded teams? And and what's likely to happen for Scotland if we get the three points we need? Yeah, so basically the thing, thing, thing to remember is you've got your 10 World Cup qualifying groups, your 10 group winners are qualifying for the World Cup automatically, the remaining 10 runners-up, which will be us if we finish second in the group, which we now should, they're all ranked against each other. The results against your bottom seeds are discounted, so basically our results against Moldova won't count for anything. So last night was kind of one of our last chances to boost the goal difference for that. The top six teams, they will become seeded, bottom four teams won't be and they'll be joined by the two if you're still following me the two best ranked Nations League group winners who haven't got a playoff or qualified automatically Barry, no. you fo- are, you follow- are you following this? <laughs> no, I'm are you just looking at you I don't well, think you're following that <laughs> I'll tell you what that makes it interesting losing Moldova, Gordon and beat Denmark at home you get more points and more goals for it because your result well, against Moldova gets washed away well, to be fair, obviously we, we, we still need a positive result against Moldova just to get second in the first place because we still need to get the playoff first and foremost. Although, of course, bear in mind, while we're in Moldova, Israel are in Austria. So if Israel were to draw, a draw for us in Moldova would get the playoff for us there. And if Israel were to lose in Austria, then we could lose in Moldova and we've still got second yeah. place in the back. You just need to match their and, result over one game. Precisely. And then, and then when it comes to that final game against Denmark, that could be our chance to get seeded by getting a positive result there. So as it stands right now, now bearing in mind a lot of this will change because there's quite a lot of groups where on the final day, the teams that are in first and second play each other. Right now, the seeded teams into the playoffs would be Portugal, Switzerland, Scotland, Spain, Poland, and Croatia. So I would fully expect Portugal, Spain, and Croatia will not be in the playoffs. They're second right now. They play the team that's in first on the final day. They should win. They won't be in the playoffs. The current unseeded teams would be Czech Republic, Norway, Romania, Ukraine, and the two teams currently coming in from the Nations League would be Wales and Austria. Now, the other thing to remember is that if you're seeded, you get a home game for the semi-final. Semi-finals in March, and then the week after, the final would be in March against the winner of another pair of uh, semi-finalists that you're drawn against, and the host of that would be drawn at random. So if you remember... We played Israel in the Euro semi-final at Hamden because we were seeded and it was a random draw that we went to the winner of Norway or Serbia away from home. So there'll be a draw for that at yeah. random. So, so to, to get this right then, if we beat Moldova or the other yeah. result, the Israel-Austria um, game goes in our favour, we, we finish second. James, the producer, is yeah. laughing at me through the glass because you can see that blank expression written all over my face. Um, do, do you think, will we need something against Denmark to be, to be seeded? I think we probably will in that instance, probably. Um, just simply because we didn't boost the goal difference last night. I think the, the objectives last night were win the game, not get too many players booked because we had nine players carrying yellow cards going into last night and boost the goal difference. So I have a feeling we might need something from Denmark on that final day. But bear in mind, Denmark qualified for Qatar last night. So their final two yeah. games are dead rubbers for them. And if we're motivated, <laughs> it's, it's, the game sold out, I think, last night. 
against Denmark, so another sellout crowd at Hamden. Yeah. There. If if we're if we seeded, Barry, who who would you fancy of those unseeded teams? Wales. Yeah. Yep. The thing is, well, Wales can still finish second in their group. Yeah, just uh, so they would then be released from the Nations League, one of the best group winners in the Nations League. So they would then they could possibly become a seed as well. Mm. So that's why there's so many different mm. uh, so many variables. There's a few variables. teams. There's Wales, Romania, and Austria. What about uh, getting revenge on the Czech Republic? For what happened at the Euros? Yeah, it'd be nice to go two up top. We never went two up top against Czech Republic. That was probably, I think, one game that Steve Clark will probably look back on and think maybe he could have um, went a different way. Mm. Um, but there's still good teams in there, Rob. These teams that I've just mentioned have got top players like Wales. I mean, two spring to mind. Gareth Bale and, and Ramsey, top players. Austria, they've got big players as well um, but listen just the most important thing is we get that playoff place Gordon you've got people across Glasgow in the west of Scotland scratching their heads at the moment and frantically scribbling down all those details and I guess what, what's worth underlining here is that, that all this could change pretty radically couldn't, couldn't it um, in, over the next two match days Oh, 100%, yeah. The, the picture will change and change again over match days 9 and 10. But look, I think, I think the thing that we need to absolutely not lose sight of is that finishing second in a qualifying group is a massive, massive achievement for Scotland. You know, yeah. The last time we did that in any qualifying campaign was for Euro 2004, and the last time we did it in a World Cup qualifying campaign was 1998. So, I mean, coming second is a massive step forward for this team because if we can replicate that in Euros qualifying for Euro 2024 coming second would be automatic qualification and we'd dodge the playoffs completely. So even, even getting to the playoffs, even if we don't qualify, because qualifying will be very hard, is massive success, massive step forward and continued progress under Steve Clark. Well said. Gordon, good to have you on the show. Thanks for that. Perfect. Cheers, guys. All the best. Cheers. Gordon. Cheers. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Don't know about you, my brain hurts after uh, thinking about all those uh, potential repercussions of the playoffs. Uh, but as Gordon rightly uh, said in rounding that discussion off, uh, let's just give thanks that we are on track to finish second with three points in Moldova uh, next month. And uh, we're making uh, Barry serious progress, aren't we, under Stevie Clark? Yeah, um, great appointment, Rob. Listen, it was a slow burner to start. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think and it's still a slow burner, I suppose. Yeah, isn't listen, it? Uh, even last night you're getting people saying like the performance wasn't great, but like, the most important thing is they, they won, they got the three points last night. But look, I've been really impressed with Steve Clark. There's no doubt he's a top manager. He knows the game inside out, and now he's starting to blood a few young players like Nathan Patterson coming in, young Billy Gilmore for me, Rob. I think he can be anything he wants to be. I just love yeah. watching him. Yeah. I think the last two games, certainly the second half against Israel, he started to get a grip of the game and dominating it. And I thought last night, he was our best player. Um, so look, the future's bright. Um, we're heading in the right direction and it's in our own hands. We just need to go to Moldova, uh, Moldova make sure we win the game, finish in the playoff spot and see who we get. Craig, I'm looking forward to your analytical 30-second summary before the end of the show that boils all that down into something that we all understand uh, by the time we're finished. So thanks for agreeing to do what, that. For the 
for Scotland qualifying. Scotland in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah, your yeah, little fine, summary no before yeah. the end of the show. It's Stephen Craig and Barry Ferguson, Rob McLean and Craig in Cumbernauld. Hi, Craig. Hi, Rob, Barry, Craig. How you doing? Good, thank Good. you. What, what, what are you thinking? Aye, uh, well, listen, you know, first and foremost, um, kind of as Barry was saying there, we got the three points last night. That's obviously the, the most important thing. Um, you know, if we had, as it looked like we were going, if we had disastrously drawn with the Pharaohs, we would have just chucked away all the hard work. Um, you know, we we put in against Israel and Austria to put ourselves in that position. So thankfully, that never happened. But uh, I have got to be honest here. You know, I know people say what the performance are as long as you get the win. If we played just about any other team in that group with how we performed yesterday, they'd have had us in toast. We were absolute garbage. Um, the defending was the biggest worry because we're playing the Faroe Islands here and we made them look like Brazil at times. You know, we could have been 3-0 down at half-time. And you don't want to be overly critical because we are on track and we got the three points. But you cannot, at international level or at any level, put in defensive performances like we have against Israel and the Pharaohs and think you're getting to World Cups. That is not happening um, unless we deal with it. I mean, one of the, the, the best chances they had, which Craig Gordon pulled the sublime save, which you have to say was a terrific save, mm. it is such a basic, basic thing. Their keeper has it. He punts it up the park. Three touches. That's all they had in the ball and Craig Gordon has to pull off a wonder save. Long ball for the keeper. Nice easy pass across from their, one of their forwards to the other and we're in all kinds of trouble. And, and I can't really, with, with Steve Clark as our manager especially, I don't actually understand why we have made it so easy for Israel and the Faroe Islands, um, particularly in the first 45, to get it. And I suppose that is the one real grumble because we're going to play some good teams going forward, particularly if we get to the playoffs. And I'm worried we could be in the end an absolute humbling by a team if, if we don't sort the defence out before then. Barry, why were Scotland so vulnerable defensively in the first half? Look, Rob, I, I think when Steve Clark goes away and, and analyses both games, that will be the area that he's concerned about. Because defensively, in all honesty, honestly, I, I, I have been impressed with But Israel, the first half, um, I thought we were at sixes and sevens again last night. I thought with Grant Hanley coming in, it would have made a slight difference, but we still um, we gave opportunities to the Faroe Islands. But it is something that will concern the managers because I think Steve Clark prides himself on defensively really strong and compact and hard to get through, um, which over the last couple of games, both the Israelis and the, the Faroes have found a way. But if it wasn't for Craig Gordon, I think there would have been a, a couple of more goals um, in both games. But... It is something that will concern them, there's no doubt about it. Drags? I don't know if the first game against uh, Israel where the players get caught up in the hype thinking, if we win this game, we're almost there. It's really in our hands. Uh, it makes it very difficult for Israel. Scotland know then they've got Pharaohs and Moldova away, so I think that's two winnable games. I don't know if they started to believe the hype and believe the, that everything that surrounded the game where they took their eye off the ball. Their concentration levels dropped a little bit. They started to think they would just nick the ball. Israel would just roll over and let Scotland win. As if, you know, we have to win this. The crowd's here. I don't know if they get caught up in the moment of it all. And it took them to get the half-time for Steve Clark to sit them down and say to him, I, th I think that was a score after the game, wasn't it? He said, if you're trying to lose the game, 
you're going the best way about it. Yeah. So things have to change. And I don't know if it took for him to sit them down and break it down and have a little pop at a few people just to bring them back down to earth again and say, listen, this is in our hands, but we have to concentrate better. We've got to make better decisions. We've got to be more compact. And it changed a little bit from then. The then one from last night, I think going, going from Saturday night, everybody probably took their foot off the gas a little bit. Similar to the first half against Israel, it's only the Pharaohs. We'll turn up, we'll knock the ball about, we know we're going to win, they're not great. And then suddenly they start the game quite well and you get caught in the moment of, how does, how does this change? How do we turn it around? Everybody starts panicking a little bit. So I think over the two games, it's probably a learning curve for the squad. Don't take anything for granted, whether you're playing Israel at home or you're playing the Pharaohs away. International football is difficult, it's competitive, it's hard to win games. And if you're not on point in everything that you do, other teams will punish you. Craig, those were two big half-time team talks, you would imagine, for Stevie Clark, both Hamden on Saturday and last night in the Faroes. Unquestionably. Um, and look, listen, that's that's what he gets paid to do and it's not going well. Um, you know, and fair play to him, he's managed to, to do it because we did come out looking more of a threat. I actually thought one of the reasons we looked more of a threat in the second half is that the, you know, Ryan Fraser and Tierney in particular seemed a lot more willing in the second half to be getting down, you know, the, the flanks and down their wings because that is where you're going to have probably the most success against a team who will stifle you defensively. You know, they, they are not going to make it easy for you to break them down. And they showed that when they played Austria, who only got two past them. And OK, Denmark made 11 changes, but even Denmark's B team are far superior to what the Pharaohs can, can offer realistically. So... They restricted them to the one goal as well, so we knew that. And I think that was a good thing about the second half. And I must say, you know, Nathan Patterson, you know, he got a bit of criticism for his first half performance against Israel. But my goodness me, that was, you know, whatever party Lyndon Dyson came off personally, I think it was somewhere towards the, the sort of the sleeve, basically the top of his shoulder. But I think Patterson, Craig, you're agreeing with me. Rob was having a go at me earlier for me to even suggest that it was anywhere near his arm. That was his chest, Craig. Come on. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's it, it's funny because camera angles can be deceiving. I think is when when I saw the initial camera angles um, on Sky Sports, I was not sure at all because you just looked at it and it looked at the chest for the one behind the goal, but then there was one really close up that had been slowed down enough that it looked like actually it's come up sort of on the sleeve, which for my money isn't a handball anyway, but it's his sleeve, it's, it's above um, the height. So, you know, they're the kind of ones you hold your breath. I must say, I can't understand why last night the VAR decision seemed to take an absolute I know. age. Yeah. I mean, the off, the, you know, the, the penalty one, for example, that was clearly offside. That didn't need to take, you know, five, six minutes to figure out. That was fairly simple. Um, Lyndon Dykes won okay, it's a bit more tough, but it really was so long and you're sitting there going, oh, and, you know, I watch Premier League football, we all do, you know, most of the time when a decision's that long, it's probably no good news. Yeah. But you're, you know, that was the panic, but... Barry, how was, it on the, how, how was it on the 144-inch screen in Ferguson Towers? How, how no, did was, it look? I was training last night. Ah, right, okay. I only seen the highlights. When I first seen it, obviously I had heard on the radio going mm. back home, when I first seen it, I was like, mm. but no, it's a goal for me. Yeah. It's a goal. Mm-hmm. 100% goal. Oh, no, I think it's a goal, yeah. But I, I just think that I'm not sure if it was his chest, but it doesn't matter. It went but v- VAR is going to be intriguing when it comes into Scotland. I know. 
You know, we always think sometimes VAR is going to solve all the problems. It's just going to cause havoc when it initially comes in. And shows like the one we're on is going to be full of people lambasting it. Not, we don't want it anymore. It's not any good. You know, what? because your team got a, a decision against them that was right, that's what it's going to boil down to. Mm. So it, it's uh, it's certainly going to be interesting because over the internationals, when, when I've been working on it as yourself, Rob, VARs in play. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot more checking going on. I mean, Northern Ireland scored a goal last night and everybody thought it was miles offside. Suddenly it counts, but it took four minutes to get it right and then suddenly the emotion's gone. That was a bad players... decision. I seen that last night. Well, yeah. He's a, bad, he's, he's a yard onside. He's a yard onside. You know, so so many aspects of it you think, well, it's going to add another layer to football up here in Scotland. Can't wait mm. for it. It's just, the, it's just the time it takes. Yeah. I mean, you're saying last night the Northern Ireland goal, so four obvious. minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's so obvious. Four yeah. minutes, a long time. You yeah. know, as a player on the field, you start to stiffen up a bit. They've got to, they've got to get it bang on. 30 seconds a minute at the most Craig thanks for your call Cheers all, all the best that's Craig uh, talking VAR and yeah those decisions did seem to take an absolute eternity uh, last night but uh, thankfully the big decision 86 minutes uh, found in favour of Lyndon Dykes and he got his fourth goal in four games first time that's happened for Scotland in over 50 years four wins on the bounce one more win away from the playoffs where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With Taxi Trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. The Go Radio Football Show with TheTaxiCentre.com. Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Let's go, go, go. Glasgow's own Go Radio. Good to have you with us on the football show on Wednesday night. Rob McLean, Barry Ferguson and Stephen Cragen 24 hours after Scotland won in the Faroes. That late goal from Lyndon Dykes doing what Colin Steen did over 50 years ago. He was the last Scotland player to score in four successive matches. It's four successive wins for Scotland which have taken us to the brink of the playoffs. It doesn't mean World Cup qualification but it's certainly a big step in the right direction and it all points now towards Moldova on the 12th of November, 5 o'clock in the evening when Scotland uh, play there looking for the one more win required which uh, seals second place for us at that point. Austria play Israel on that same evening and uh, that could be a result which uh, plays into Scotland's hands as well but it is in Scotland's hands at the moment uh, Scotland uh, can take care of business themselves and uh, taking care of business seems to be what is happening on a regular basis at the moment. Scotland find a way of winning even uh, when the game is not going completely according to plan. We'll be switching, of course, uh, from international football back to the club scene very shortly. Um when you think that uh, Saturday brings us uh, all uh, 12 top flight teams in action. Uh, Dundee against Aberdeen is at 6 o'clock. Uh, the others are all 3 o'clock 
kickoffs. It would have been one of those rare occasions that that game at Den's not moved, uh, where all teams are playing at the same time on a Saturday. Old school. Hibs against Dundee United on Saturday. Uh, looks like a good one. Celtic are at Fir Park to play Motherwell. That could be uh, an awkward one for them coming back from international business and uh, currently just scraping into the top six in the Premiership Celtic. On the back of that uh, late winner at uh, Pataudry last time out, uh, Motherwell against Celtic could be tasty, Crags. Celtic against your old team. Yeah, well, it's one of those ones, Rob, because a few of the Celtic players have been all around the world playing international games and Motherwell have been together the last couple of weeks. I would really like to see them start with intent. Start with a really high intensity, try and force Celtic onto the back foot and see if the players have any fatigue or feeling sorry for themselves because you've been travelling about. They haven't had a full week's training. I just hope Motherwell don't sit off and allow Celtic to try and dominate. Go and get after the game. I think the crowd's just under 10,000, just so it's not... I think Celtic may have limited away tickets just so they don't go over the 10,000 capacity for the COVID passports or vaccinations. So, um, yeah, listen, Fur Park's a good place to play when there's a decent crowd in it. So I'd imagine it'd be a good atmosphere. Motherwell feeling good about themselves, but Celtic, on the back of that victory in Aberdeen, Ange Postacoglu will want to back that up and make sure it's not just a one-off, another away win they'll be looking for. One thing I've also said, well, about the Fur Park surface... Over the last couple oh, of it's years, phenomenal. it's like an absolute yeah, yeah. bowling green. Yeah. Yep, the guys made some difference. Um, the groundsman, Paul, mm. which has been detrimental to them sometimes because teams come down and think, "Wow, great, we can yeah. we can try and play a little exactly. bit." So, but yeah, it's smashing place, it really is. But a uh, great pitch. Even after eight games, Barry, it's strange to look at that league table and see Motherwell above Celtic. Yeah, as um, I mean, Motherwell got off to a, a poor start to the season, uh, the first game. Bad defeat, but they've certainly picked up. Um, they had a disappointing result at Tynecastle. Um, get beat two 0 by by Hearts. Uh, but that's listen. Fur Park's a place that not a lot of teams enjoy going to. Um, it's a difficult place. Only good thing about it now is the surface, as I just mentioned there, is uh, is a beautiful surface to play on. But I, I agree with Craig's is what Craig's has just said there. Muddle, I think it'll be on the front foot and go for them. Because uh, obviously Celtic have got a a couple of players that are travelling long distances. Kyogo, who for me is Celtic's main player, I would imagine he would he would start. Um, yeah, Rogic, um, coming back as well from playing in that game. Um, you've got obviously Callum McGregor. You've got a number of players that have been away. David Turnbull. So no, that that will be a cracker at Fur Park. That will be a tough tough afternoon for Celtic. I think you look as well. Sorry, just when you look at the front three of Motherwell, Kevin Van Veen and Muller and Tony Watt aggressive and strong and physical and the one thing people talk about Celtic is you know they give up cheap goals or they get caught in a counter attack or it crosses into the box well that's a front three who will certainly test them if they get the opportunity so Graham Alexander will just be sent throw it forward you know particularly when uh, well it's Adam Montgomery and Tony Ralph and they're going to play high spin it down the side Tony what you've got to run Van Veen you've got to run Cain uh, Willery who's quite quick you've got to run so it'll be an interesting balance of how Celtic can control the game because it's not a big playing surface you know, it's not as big as some of the other places. So, well, Mother will just continually turn and try and put them in the back foot. So, it'll be intriguing. How much of a factor, Barry, digging back into your own playing experience is coming back from high intensity internationals to high intensity club football? Yeah, I think Craig's will agree here. It's not just physically, mentally. Um, it, de- it depended on where you were playing. There were some journeys that were only a couple of hours on a flight, or there were some places that we had to go four or five hours and you would travel back. Um, the next day uh, so yeah it took its toll at times um, it depended on how many days you had recovery 
Rob, if I'm being honest with you, there was some sometimes that I come back, only had one day recovery, and then you were straight into a, a league encounter. Um, and sometimes it genuinely fell in a way. It was away games. Uh, and you know what it's like in Scotland. Some places you go and you, you play in, um, in Scotland, they're, they're tough places to go and try and get results. Um, but I did. I find it. I found it tough at times. Um, not just physically, as I said, mentally. Is it a two-week break that Stephen Gerrard could have done without? Because he's looking to find that uh, missing spark to the Rangers' performance at the moment. Maybe find a bit of continuity about team selection. Yeah. Look, it was an important one against Hibs, there's no doubt. Certainly the sending off of Porteous helped. I, I thought Hibs were on top at that, that stage, obviously. They, they go a goal up. Porteous, for me, um, crazily goes in over the top. It's a red card, no doubt about it. And then obviously that, that gives Rangers a, a lift. Um, it was important three points. Is it good to get a rest? I think he was just happy to get the players away and just go away and have a long, hard think and try and get back to the form they were at last season. It's not been great. But listen, look at the league. Yeah. Sitting top. That's the, the most important thing for them. They're not playing at the top of their game. So he'll be hoping that this is a good a good week's training. And um they've got a tough one. Hearts, Robbie Nielsen said Hearts playing some real good stuff. They're flying high near the top. So that that's a big one at Ibrox as well. It's a fascinating looking league table at the moment, isn't it? Because Rangers, um, and they keep reminding us, Stephen Gerrard keeps mentioning it uh, when people talk about the quality of the performance and the, the maybe lack of a settled lineup. Uh, Rangers are where they finished last season, top of the Premiership, 19 points. Then it's Hearts on 18, Hibs on 15, Motherwell 14, Dundee United 14 and Celtic 13. It's, uh, it's quite intriguing at the moment. Isn't the top six are all playing each other this, this weekend. That's right. All the six fixtures and all the bottom six as well. It's a chance for Rangers to create a little bit of a gap, give themselves a little bit of breathing space. But I'm sure Robbie Nielsen will be emphasising to his players this week, take belief from the way Hibs played before Ram Porteous was sent off at Ibrox. Hearts are just as good as Hibs. Go and take the game. I always feel it, probably in the past under Robbie at times, I know he's been to Ibrox and won when they were in the Championship. But I always feel as if sometimes Robbie's a bit too pragmatic when they go away from home against the bigger teams. I think he's changed a little bit. I think he's looking at his players and thinking, we've got a right good side here. We've got pace and attack. We've got guys who can handle the ball. Uh, Beningame in midfield, really competitive, gets about the game. He's got Barry McCann in attack and threat. He's got Liam Boyce who didn't go away with Northern Ireland. He's going to focus on his club football. You know, We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago, scoring goals. Uh, ben Woodburn so he's thinking we've got players here who can go and hurt Rangers and I think we'll see a different hearts from what we've seen previously going there and sitting in and trying to be hard to play against I think they'll follow the Hibs, uh, the lead of Hibs mm. they'll try and take the game to Rangers which may help Rangers a little bit because they're used to teams coming and sitting in so if hearts come and have a go it should make it an open game I, I was interested to see how Hibs would approach a game and he went with two up Nisbet and Boyle and Scott Allen right in behind them where midfield they went with the, the intent to try and win the game um, and it'll be interesting to see if Hearts have that same approach because until, what, what I said earlier on, until Porteous gets sent off, Hibs were, were on top. I'm not sure the season has started the way the Hearts fans were expecting it to start. No. I think they probably in a very doom and gloom and negative sort of way, they were almost expecting the season to start with anti-climax and there would be pressure on Robbie Nielsen and it would build up and build up because he's not everybody's idea in Gorgie of who the gaffer should be. Um, 
But in, in terms of that approach, it's, it's not gone according to plan because Hearts are looking a really good side, playing top quality football. Uh, and Robbie Nielsen takes a lot of credit for that. Yeah, um, he came in for a lot of criticism last season. But listen, the main thing is he got them promoted out of the Championship. Um, people probably thought they would be maybe mid-table, Rob, if I'm being honest mm-hmm. with you. I, I had similar thoughts, but you've got to uh, take your hat off to Rob and the coaching staff and the players. He's got good players there as well. Um, Boyce up top, I've always liked. He's got goals in him. I think Barry Mackay's been a big signing for him as well. Um, so he's got real good players. Uh, John Suter, I know he's been out injured, missed a couple of games, but for me, if he gets a run of games, John Suter's an international player. That's how highly I hate, uh, rate, I says hate, <laughs> rate John Suter. I think he's got everything in his locker. He's come through two real bad injuries in terms of snapping his Achilles tendon. Um, but if he gets a run of games, yeah. for me, he's in Steve Clark's uh, Scotland squad. I think Robbie Nielsen's made his first 11 better. That's the difference. He hasn't just signed squad players. When you look at the subs, Josh Ginelli, Gary Mackay, Stephen, Andy Halliday, Peter Haring, Aaron McAniff, who they bought for, what, £100,000, £150,000, they were probably playing every week last season, or the majority of them were. Suddenly now they're on the bench, so he strengthened the top end of the pitch, or the, his first 11. You know, how often do you see it managers bringing in 8, 9, 10 players and they become squad players? Whereas the players he's brought in have actually made his team better, which is why I think it's a difference from Hearts from this time last year to now is that they've more pace about them, they've more creativity, they've more fight, but they're being pushed because they've got Peter Harrings and Andy Holliday's and Gary mckay Stevens sitting on the bench, Josh Ginelli, who, who's been excellent at the start of the season, but isn't the team at the minute. They're suddenly looking over their shoulders and thinking, if we don't play well, these guys are coming on. So it just adds competition for places. Do you think Hibs and Hearts can stay the distance um, in terms of the a, a title race, Barry? Depending on injury and suspensions, uh, if you ask my honest opinion, I don't think they'll finish in the top two. I think both of them will fight it out for third place. Um, I think both Rangers and Celtic will finish in the top two. Um, but listen, it's great. Seven games in. Uh, is it seven or nine eight, game, eight eight games? Eight games. Yep. Um, and two of them are, are flying high near the top of the league. It's good for the Scottish game, but I don't think they'll manage to maintain that. Are Celtic coming back from this international break under a fair bit of pressure it would have been even more intense pressure had they not got that late winner at Pataudry but even as it stands there are six points adrift um, and with questions to answer I think about the defensive side of their game Yeah I, I still think they're um, vulnerable defensively Rob um, there's no doubt in my mind going forward I don't think there's ever been an issue with Celtic I think they've got good players they've got they're real, arguably the best going yeah, forward they're real dangerous players I think Kyogo's been a brilliant find I just love watching them any young striker should watch his movement um, fantastic movement and it was a a big result from up at Pataudry, um getting that getting that vital three points um, and they showed a different side to them um, they weren't great in the second half I thought Aberdeen didn't get started in the first half. They come into the game. They got the equaliser. And then you're, you're thinking to yourself, watching the game, right, what are Celtic made of? And they showed good character to come back and get that three points. They just have to stay in touch, Crags, don't they, at the moment? Yeah. They just have to ensure that Rangers don't get any further away from them. And you would imagine there's a lot of business to be done. They'll, they'll have to in the January window. You know, it, it was quite clear over the little sticky period they had that how important Kyogo and Callum McGregor are to them. You know, when they weren't in the side, I think they looked a completely different team. McGregor grabs hold of the game in midfield. Kyogo's movement and pace in behind frightens the life out of defenders. So I think when those two stay fit, then Celtic stay 
are, are a much better side. Uh, the big bonus is they're only six points behind Rangers and they've lost three games. What it does, though, puts a little bit of pressure on that they may have to win five, six, seven games in a row because Rangers will drop points or may lose a game somewhere along the line. But Celtic have to be in the form to capitalise. You can't be drawn or losing whenever Rangers draw and lose. I know we're not dismissing Hearts, we're not dismissing Motherwell or Hibs, but ultimately Celtic are looking at Rangers and Rangers look at Celtic. That's the way it is. So if they can put themselves four or five wins together, Rob, and just keep the pressure on Rangers, because naturally when Rangers come in after their game, what was the Celtic score? And Celtic come in and say, what was the Rangers score? You know, they want to know because they want to close that gap. So win four, five, six games in the bounce and see if Rangers can maintain that. Because if their form's not great with Rangers and they drop a point here and there, Celtic can chip away at it. But considering six points behind and lost three games, it's not as bad as what it could have been. A question we were putting to ourselves earlier on in the show is just coming back to me at the moment, Barry, and that is how much football, how much club football is Nathan Patterson going to get for Rangers between now and, and that uh, game in Moldova? Yeah, it will be a concern for Steve Clark, um, no doubt about it. Um, I, I listened to an interview with, with Stephen Gerrard a, f- a few weeks ago, uh, and he says he, his development is not getting hindered in any way because he's coming up against top quality players every single day in training. Um, but Craig's will tell you any footballer you need 90 minutes you need to play games of football um, and it was good to see him get that start against um, Hibs uh, the only issue is he's got the captain and Tavernier's been a huge player for Rangers over the last couple of years uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens between now and that Moldova game I don't know whether Stephen Gerrard was playing mind games at the start of the season when he when he was mulling over very publicly at a media conference about the prospect of playing Tavernier and, and Patterson in the same team. It's something we've spoken about a lot on this show. Um, is that any nearer to, to happening? I'm not too sure that he was just saying that to try and appease people, to try and people stop asking the same question. Yeah. Because if you play Nathan Patterson, in the Rangers system, 4-3-3, and the wingers play slightly narrow, if you would, you know, you wouldn't play Nathan Patterson, or I wouldn't certainly anyway. Looking at it, or you wouldn't play Nathan Patterson or James Tavernier as an inverted winger in a Rangers team. And the main reason being, those other players can play that role better. So why sacrifice someone else's position just because you're trying to get two in? I mean, Rangers have got seven games between this international window and the next international window, which is a lot of football in a short space of time. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Patterson playing three games and Tavernier four or, or four and three. I can imagine they'll get a few games between now and the next international window because his performances have been good. Uh, Tavernier hasn't been at the same level. I think assists and goals for him are way down. I know Stephen Gerrard's big on numbers, but the two fullbacks, Barisic and Tavernier, I, I had them down last time we were on the show and I didn't speak about it, but their numbers are way down compared to what they were this time last year or the influence they've had previously. So if Nathan Patterson's getting this opportunity for club and country and Stephen Gerrard's thinking, oh, he's doing well, he's going to force his hand. You force his hand by how you train and how you play when you get your opportunity. And every time he plays, he excites people Nathan Patterson. So somewhere along the line, he's going to have to make a decision to say he's going to play more minutes. And I think we'll see that between this window and the next uh, uh, international window. Is it a statement game, that one, at Ibrox on Saturday, Barry, with Hearts having started the way they've started, heading to govern you know, with as much confidence as they could have hoped for, you would imagine, after eight games going into this one. Uh, so for Rangers... Is it an important one to, to say, we're in charge here, we're the champions, we're we're going to take care of you? Yep, lay down a marker. That, that'll be plain and simple. That'll be the message this week to the players. Um, Hearts are one point behind. We've had a great season. Um, big game. Let's make sure it's four points by the, by the end of the afternoon, uh, by quarter to five. That'll be the, the clear message for the manager. 
as I said, look, everybody's been talking about they've not been playing at the same levels. We all know they've not been playing at the same levels. The most important thing is international break, they finish top of the league. Now they've had the two-week break. The most important thing is they get back to winning ways against their nearest challengers, Hearts. Looking ahead to club football returning at the weekend, looking back on that big result. Another one for Scotland in the Faroes last night. 1-0 Lyndon Dykes. It's become a, a a regular statement that the goal scorer and the result as well with a 3-2 Israel in the midst of all those 1-0 wins, which have taken Scotland to the brink of the playoffs, which lead, of course, towards World Cup qualification. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi Available exclusively to the taxi trade Let's go, go, go Go Radio Football Show Good to have you with us on a Wednesday evening On the back of Pharaoh's nil, Scotland won four on the bounce for Stevie Clark and his team, 12 points out of 12. Uh, and suddenly just one more win away from second place in the group ahead of Israel and Austria. It's real progress, serious progress, heading hopefully towards the playoffs. And uh, it doesn't mean World Cup qualification um, because there'll be tough games to come. But Scotland are a work in progress and certainly heading in the right direction as well. Barry Ferguson, Stephen Cragan and Rob McLean on duty here. And we've got Scotland fan John with us as well. John, who was at the game on Saturday with his boy Callum, weren't you, John? How was it? It was, um, it was absolutely tremendous. It's one of the um, the best football experiences in my life, just simply because I got to share it with my boy and... Uh, yeah. You know, the emotions of the last minute, the way it was done, it was just an incredible game. And because it was the first big game in front of a big crowd again, um, I think that just made it even more special as well. It was just absolutely tremendous. Yeah, something an occasion we'll never forget, even if they did um, give us heart failure at times. As yeah. always. <laughs> it was one of those nights, Barry, where you actually you're standing there and you can feel Hamden moving. You can feel Hamden literally bouncing. It's incre- It was incredible. Yeah, it felt that way watching it on, on TV, Rob. Um, it takes me back to, I don't know if you remember that league game mm-hmm. we, we played. Um, that was one of the, the the best atmospheres that I've ever played in at, at Hamden. It was absolute electric. And then, obviously, the, certainly the second half when Lyndon Dykes got that equaliser, you could feel the fans' excitement, you could feel it lift. And then once that McTominay goal went in, three minutes into injury time, it was just um, mayhem. Um, but that's... It's been a long time for the Scotland fans. Yeah, it's been over two years that they've not been inside the stadium. And do you know what? When that goal went in in the ninety-third minute, the place was still full. Normally, you get mm. fans that maybe leave five minutes early to, to beat the traffic, but the fans stuck with the players, um, and I'm sure the players will not forget that. And I think I think John, yeah, my, my, I think John. Sorry, I was just going to say, John. I, I think it's four years maybe since the last full house, the the Lee Griffiths game. Uh, against England, I think that was maybe the the last capacity crowd inside Hamden. So, so maybe that was a big factor as well. It, it's been a long time. It's been a long wait to to get Hamden all packed out again. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the Slovakia game was close to capacity. That was certainly the last time we had a bounce like that. Was the Slovakia game with the um, last minute own goal winner from Skirtle. Um You mentioned Barry. Um, people sticking to the end, on, apart from a few that um, were going to beat the traffic. My mum was actually one of them. My mum, my sister, my, um, and my niece and nephew decided to leave right on 90 minutes. And Callum said to me, we'll need to go, Dad. And I was like, no, Callum, we stay to the end because you just never know what you can miss. 
And then um, when we were walking back to Cam and him, he was just saying that was the best night ever. So Brilliant. I think he's glad that we stayed to the end. Good choice, John. Good choice. I take it you've had words, John, about that early departure. <laughs> Disciplinary <laughs> proceedings on the back of that. <laughs> it's just something they do. Because to be fair, I mean, traffic on the um, the M74 side can be a nightmare. Um, I'm parked at the other side usually, so I'm go through East Cobrace. It's usually a lot quicker for me. So leaving on night um, as soon as the full time whistle. I'm fine for traffic. <laughs> John, what about last night? How do you how do you view it performance versus result? Well, I mean the performance wasn't great, but the way I'm looking at it, Robin, I said this to a few people last night. Um previous Scotland sides um you know would have drawn or lost that 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 kind of game last night where it wasn't going well. Um but I think it just shows everything about the character of this team that they managed to dig a result out. Um, so that's the overriding thing for me. Yeah, the performance wasn't great, but the the big positive is we got the three points. Doesn't matter how you get it, and the Faroes aren't as um, aren't an easy nut to crack these days. I mean, Denmark no. needed eighty five minutes to beat them. I mean, Austria were fairly convinced at the weekend, but it was two nil. It was two nil, yeah. but that's even not like five or six that they're normally used to. So for us to just go there and get that result is the most important thing. And now let's hope we do the same next month against Moldova. It will be harder without Dykes because, you know, once again, when he was a wee bit maligned, he just kept sta- standing up. You know, he never gave in, um, just kept putting himself about. And he got his reward. And um, I don't care how it went in, it went in. I have <laughs> to say that really I have good. to say that when you said that previous Scotland teams have gone to the Faroes and, and not oh, got, hey, got oh, the result. Hey. No, no, Barry, to, you, you did, to be fair to you, you did put your hand up at that stage because... Any mention of the Pharaohs and and in the build up to this game, uh, those those pictures were being rolled out again, weren't they? Of that of that day in Tough Deer where we just all jumped off the cliff. Yeah, it gives us nightmares, Rob. Um, and when I was driving home from training last night, listening to it on the radio, um, I, I was I was hoping that the boys would just get that that um, vital goal, and thankfully they did. Um, but you take me back; it was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Two, two nothing down at half time. Two thousand and two, wasn't it? And um, we were lucky only to be two nothing down. And you and Paul Lambert uh, oh. did the team talk, didn't you, at half time? Yeah, it was. Um, I can't repeat what was said on on radio, but it was um, <laughs> a harsh ten minutes. Uh, there was a few arguments. There was a few fisticuffs, and we went out and uh, we got a two each draw. But that the first forty five minutes, they ran over the top. Is they just wanted it more. And they were butchers and bakers and candlestick yeah, makers. Yeah, and, and now there's some of them playing at good levels. I, th- yeah. I thought the boy in the number eight, Hendrickson. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, good player. He, yeah, he's a very good player. They've got a few a few tasty players, the, the Faroe Islands, back then. Um, they were basically all part-time. Talking of tasty players, I saw your goal again. I'd, I'd actually forgotten what your goal was like in that game. I couldn't remember, but it, but obviously it was being rerun this week in the build-up to, to last night. Uh, nice little control on the head and a wee dinked finish past the goalkeeper. Do you remember it? Yep, I remember it. I know my thoughts get out in that second half. This could be the worst result in Scottish football history. Um, as I said, I'm just thinking back. I mean, I think they missed two real guilt-edge chances five minutes before the the, uh, the first half ended. It was an absolute shock. And if we go in there three, three or four nil down, uh, you're in serious trouble to try and get it back. So we were lucky to get into that game. And, and sorry, at half-time, two nil down. And, and thankfully, um, we reacted in the, the right way. Uh, but it was a tough night. And I knew last night, I mean, I heard Steve Clark um, say on, on his presser that 
it was going to be a tough game. You just need to, obviously, John's just said, Austria, 2-0. The Danes went there, um, only won 1-0. Um, and they've had some decent results over the last couple of years. So, as I said, they've got good players playing at decent levels now. Um, so that's... We had a draw in Northern Ireland as well there, Rob. Yeah, did you? Back in 2009, I think. We played it late home and do 0-0 and we thought, oh, mm-hmm. we're a team. Mm-hmm. Three days later, go to Fairlawine and, and scrape a 1-1 draw. Oh, really? Right. Yeah, so we you've... did. And it was the same, st- it was the same. it was tough. To, it was the top of the, yeah. the, top of the hill with the yeah. wind blowing a gale and with the wall around the outside, like, almost like a junior stadium in Scotland, yeah. really. Oh, you know, the pitch wasn't great, but uh, I mean, we scored first and then give up a cheap goal to make it 1-1 and then it could go anyway because they suddenly get galvanised and they come at you. Whereas nowadays, you look at them and you think, well, the facilities they have, the coaching material available, the fitness of the players is much different. The professionalism is all about it. There's much more investment in the smaller countries. And you think you're seeing the likes of the Faroe Islands being more competitive, certainly in their own patch. You know, I know uh, Israel went one 4 nil over there, but there's no many other teams go there and win yeah. 4 5 6 nil anymore. Maybe the big ones do, you know, when they're a lot better. Yeah. And, and, you know, but there's teams go, even the Luxembourg's another one who are improving dramatically. You know, they're starting to beat teams and starting to climb rankings. So, you know, gone are the days where you think, oh, it's the Faroes, it's Luxembourg, it's Andorra, for example. Oh, we're going in five or six nil, and that's it. It doesn't mm. happen anymore. I didn't realise you'd suffered over there as well. It's a bit like, <laughs> that, a, bit like a victim that support. That makes me feel better. <laughs> I, know, I know, exactly. Memories. I was going to leave him there on his own, but I thought, no, I'll, I'll come in and let him know. <laughs> Memories that we would all hopefully, hopefully, thankfully wipe away if we possibly could. Um, but anyway, no need to do that and on the back of last night. John, did, did were you... In the second half, the the first half was pretty dreadful, wasn't it? But second half, were you were you always believing that Scotland would find a way to win? I was actually. I just felt that um, it was going to come at some point. We couldn't play any worse than we did the first half. And you know, Craig Gordon um, makes a crucial save which keeps us in the game, and that could have been a big turning point had they went in front at that point, and they would have deserved it. The Faroes in the first half, but you know, second half, um, you just felt that we were pressing more. Um, there was a couple of the attempts in goal that weren't far off. Bill Gilmore wasn't far off with a couple of efforts. You just had that. You wondered. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I was 100% confident we'd win the game um, with the way it was going. Because of course, you have that fear in your mind that it's going to be one of those nights. But you just got to keep believing. And there's just something about this this group of players just now. You know, they've overcome a good few obstacles um, over the past couple of years, like qualifying for a major tournament, getting a signature away result in Australia the last month. Um, that um, come back at the weekend, obviously. So to get to dig out a result um, when they've not played well, that is more significant than people think. Yeah, Stevie Clark rightfully taking a, a lot of satisfaction in those four wins on the bounce. But when you listen to him uh, after the match at the media conference, um, he is very quickly switching his thoughts to a month's time in Moldova. We're on a good run. We're pleased with six points for this camp. It was a tough camp. Like you say, four wins in a row is good, but... It's difficult to do four wins in a row, but we we need to go to Moldova and make it five. So we're not getting carried away. We understand what we have to do. We understand what's in front of us, and and that's what we'll focus on next month. We'll enjoy the six points that we're taking from from a difficult October camp, and we look forward to November. He doesn't uh, he doesn't really do the extremes of emotion, John. Does he, Stevie Clark? He he steers a pretty steady ship, and. Um, He's doing it really well. I mean, you know, we just have so much more belief and confidence in the in the team now. Yeah, he's he's just um, you know he's he's consistent. It doesn't matter um, if we're if we're winning or if we're losing. You know, he keeps the same um, face on, and I think that's a good thing because um, it shows that he's keeping himself calm. But I bet um, inside he was and his heart would have been pounding last night when it got to eighty six minutes and it was still nil nil. Um, but no, it was a 
I was wondering when he was going to bring us on um, the subs because I thought Pat- Patterson and Nisbet should have been on earlier because Ryan Fraser wasn't doing it and I think um, Dice could have done with a bit more help so I don't think it was Chrissy's best game but it worked and Nathan Patterson again his development has been tremendous and you know, he didn't have the best 45 minutes on Saturday but obviously people um, like Clark and Andy Robertson came to and they just turned and said keep believing it'll um, you know We've got we've got your back and he was excellent second half of yeah. Saturday and then he came on last night and one cross got the winner. Yeah, and to come through that, we were just saying earlier on in the show, to come through that for a 19-year-old uh, is absolutely massive. Of course, when Callum McGregor came on, that meant Scott McTominay moving back to where he was at the weekend against Israel on the right side of a, a back three. Is that, Barry, where you'd like to see him stay? I, I like him there for Scotland. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to play there for Man United, but I, I think the way that Scotland play, that Steve Clark, the way he sets up his team, I think that right side of a three suits Scott McTominay. Um, I, I, I was a little surprised that Callum McGregor didn't start. Not a little surprised. I was very surprised, in fact, because I think for me, Callum McGregor is one of Scotland's main players. But listen, there might be something behind that. Callum was out injured um, for a number of weeks. He's just got come back into the, the Celtic team um, so we don't know what went on there but for me I like Scott McTominay the right side of that back three I like when he can, he can come out with the ball we can produce that, that good pass he's comfy on it um, so I like him there and that triggers things for Scotland further forward, doesn't it? When he steps into the the midfield from that position, Craigs, do you like him yeah. there? Is is he? Should he be there? Should that just be his position for well, Scotland? I think so because I prefer the midfield off Gilmer, McGinn, and mm. McGregor. Mm. I think that's a better midfield. That when he goes into it, I, I don't mean he's a different dynamic, but they're so good technically that they all seem to understand each other's game a little bit better. You know, they've played together more. And the fact that he can step into the game from centre half, what it does, it commits people, which means then a midfield player maybe has to come and press him, or a wide man has to come and press him, and then he can pick them off. So I think that just gives a different option. I know Jack Hendry can do it also, but I think McTominay, having that midfield mindset, loves driving into the game, loves driving at people. He's more than happy to go and do it. As I say, it commits people, then you can pick them off, and suddenly you've broke the press or broke the line, and Gilmer can get it into McGinn, or Gilmer can get it into Dykes. I just think it suits him better at this moment in time. Yes, there'll be games when you come up against better centre-forwards, and he will maybe you know have to think about things a little bit differently and have to defend a little bit better. You can't always go nicking things. Can't be naive as a defender, but certainly in possession, I think it suits him coming out from the back three. Billy Gilmore again for Scotland, outstanding. Uh, you have to remind yourself, John, that he's that he's still only twenty, and that he hasn't played the last couple of games for Norwich either, which which is not ideal. But even in the bad patches against Israel and last night in the Pharaohs, um, he seems to rise above it. He's always positive. He's always playing with his head up. Always looking to make a forward pass. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's the sort of player that just, um, you know, demands the ball all the time. He's he's not one to shirk. He's just he wants to be in the ball. He wants to um, create things. He wants to make things happen. The boy's got a um, massive um, potential ahead of him, and I I could quite easily see him if he keeps going the way he is, um, surpassing Kenny Douglas's um, record. Um, because obviously um, there's more internationals these days, and he'll be first in the team sheet for um, a good five or ten years at least. So. Um, barring obviously some serious injury, of course, God, God forbid. But I think he should be back in the Norwich team soon, um, hopefully, because they're really struggling. And they could do with Billy Gilmore um, back in the team and um, other people along. Robbie, reminds time, me, but... he reminds me of Barry. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, I was going to say, you know, yeah. just because he demands the ball all the time. Mm. 
and I've said previously about Billy Gilmer, if Billy Gilmer played in a five-a-side game with his mates, he would play the exact same way. He'd want the ball, he'd demand the ball. If he played at Wembley in front of him, uh, against England, he'd play the exact same way, and he did. Barry was the exact same. No matter where Barry played or who he played with, or it was a meaningless game, or it was a star sixes we played in a couple of years ago at, at the SSE Hydro, he wanted to dominate the game. He wanted the ball at all times. Every time, give me the ball. Whereas other people like myself were quite happy to let other people go and take the ball and do what they had to do. So there's so many so many dynamics in Billy Gilmer I watch that Barry's game at times was really simple but really effective. And Billy Gilmer is the exact same. Doesn't complicate it, doesn't make it hard, doesn't try hard things, but does the simple good things really, really well. And it stands out. Does it continually? And that's why I think he's Do you know what I like about him, Craig? See, see if he does give the ball away, which is not very often, he'll go and want it back yeah. again. He'll not feel sorry for himself. But you're like that, Barry. Yeah, he'll not go and hide. Exact same. And he'll take it. Like as a centre half, Craig's will tell you, he'll go and he'll want it. Even if somebody's close by him, he'll take the ball under pressure. And and I love seeing that. And he's only 20. And I I think moving to Norwich is good for him. I think it'll be good for his development because at Chelsea, they're used to winning all the time. They've got the vast majority of possession now. It's a different ball game from now. He's at Norwich. They'll not have the vast majority of possession. they're going to get beat most weeks for yep. me Norwich so I think this could be a brilliant learning curve from this season what can he be Barry? What, what? I, I think he can be anything he wants to be it just looks to me if he's he's, um, he's just got everything Rob I, I love watching him he's got everything in his locker it just um, I think over the next two or three years there's no doubt in my mind he can go back to Chelsea and be the main central midfielder there. Um, if he continues to to work hard, which he strikes me as a boy that he's level headed, yep, isn't he? He is. He strikes me as that kind of boy that he'll he's probably first on the training field and last off it. He wants to learn. He wants to kick the ball about. He wants to just play football. So for me, he's got everything, and I I think he can be one of the best players, if not the best player that Scotland's ever produced. It's funny, isn't it, John, that it doesn't seem so long since we were talking about Nathan Patterson and Billy Gilmore as the future. Uh, now they're very much the here and now, aren't they? You you know, you, you would have to think twice about leaving either of them out of a first-choice Scotland team at the moment. Yeah, well, Billy Gilmore, as I said, that's the first name in the team sheet. And um, as we discussed um, before the Azure game last week, um, we opted for Patterson because of his attacking set. As, um, as good as O'Donnell's been recently, and I think O'Donnell's had a lot of critics, I think it was right to start Patterson because we needed more attacking threat. Um, and I was surprised he didn't start last night. I was honestly really surprised that he didn't start because Ryan Fraser is a good player as a right winger, left winger, um, even a centre forward, but he's not a right wing back. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was shown last night. And Patterson um, should have started for me last night as he proved but, but then Steve Clark obviously knew what he was doing um, and got, got there in the end. John, good talking to you. Uh, good to hear from you again, guys. Thanks. Take care. All the best. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Don't miss out on a huge savings on your new taxi. Available exclusively to the taxi trade. Good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday night on the back of Pharaoh's Nil Scotland 1, London Dykes again. 
86 minutes, four goals in four games for him. And this, the tribute from the man at the other end, who also made a massive contribution to Scotland's win last night. It's got to be some kind of record. Must be a while since somebody's done that. So uh, yeah, great, great for him. Uh, great for us that he's he's managed to do that at the, the right end of the the campaign where we're we're needing goals and, and wins. And yeah, he's been been fantastic for us right throughout. It's a, a great record for for a striker for for us and hopefully can continue to do that. It's not only goals, it's the, the rest of his play that he, he brings uh, to the game for us as well. He's hold-up plays, flick-ons, he's, he's always available and he's a nuisance for, for defenders. So very big part of how we play and hopefully he keeps getting a few goals along the way as well. And he's a developing talent. I think he just turned 26 prior to the, the game against Israel. So, And he was kind of a late starter, wasn't he, Barry, as you, you were saying earlier on in terms of uh, going into top flight football so there's probably lots more to come from London Dykes Yeah it's a great story Rob um, coming across from obviously Australia and um, playing in the Championship with Queen of the South and then getting that, that move to the Premier League he's just he's got a lot of things going from you, you listen to Craig Gordon there listen we all know he's good in there um, he's got a good first touch um, he can score a goal uh, but the thing that I like most about him is he's a real team player a real hard worker and he's been a great find for, for Stevie Clark um, and I, I think he's just going for strength the strength he's got he's moved down to the championship if he continues this form you never know Rob we could be talking about a Premier League uh, player uh, soon it just depends on whether he can keep that form going for QPR but he certainly had a, a good start to the season and certainly he's a big player for Scotland and he'll be a big miss next month in Moldova yeah he's suspended Ryan Christie uh, suspended as well so opportunity for, for others but he does um, exemplify in many ways doesn't he London Dykes what Stevie Clark's squad is all about it's about the team it's about the the total performance it's about the result well Barry's right I think he's done the hard yards Lyndon Dykes and I think he will certainly appreciate the moment he's in at the minute where he's scoring goals in the championship he's scoring goals for Scotland you know he'll be now be thinking to himself it fully justifies his decision to uh, play for Scotland to put as opposed to Australia. But he is such a figurehead for the team because nothing better than if you're a defender or a midfield player and you've got someone chasing, uh, running into the channels, holding the ball up, fighting for headers. It takes the team up the pitch a little bit. You know, players sometimes need a catalyst on the pitch, someone to ignite them, you know, kind of bring the game to life for them. And he always seems to be quite prepared to be that player. Sacrifices himself at times. You know, he goes for challenges, takes himself into areas of the pitch but he probably shouldn't go to. But he's a nuisance for defenders. I mean, he'd be a nightmare to play against because he wins headers, he's he's dynamic, he's quite happy to run in behind. I just quite like the partnership he's got with Shea, with Shea Adams. I just think the two of them are very similar. But, you know, they complement each other yeah. as well. You know, that that's the thing I like about it. So, uh, And now that he's starting to play in between the goalposts, you know, probably in his younger days, he ran the channels too much. He was outside the box too often. You know, he will just be um, fully appreciating now that the more often he gets into the box, the more times he's in between the sticks, the more goals will come his way. So he's growing in confidence on that side, but certainly he's going to lead the line for Scotland over the next five or six years, no problem. Stevie Clark totally focused on what is to come. He'll have enjoyed the moment last night and the, the travel back, uh, but over the next month he will be focusing very much on Moldova and getting that win required, which would take Scotland to the playoffs. We've worked hard to be in this, this position. It hasn't come easy. 12 points, it's, it's difficult to win four in a row, any level, but especially at international level. So it's a big 12 points. Uh, we're not going to take our eye off the ball. We know what we have to do next month and we'll try and get the three points that secures the second place. Uh, hopefully we can do it in Moldova and then we've got Denmark at home, which will be a great game. 
but when you get to this stage of the competition, everybody, all the teams are going to have, you're going to get the two, the two yellows that will rule players out. So, be a chance for someone else to be the hero next month. Craig's looking at the TV screen in the studio, still trying to persuade me that that was a hint of a handball. <laughs> I, I tell you what, it's a great run for Dykes. It is. Yeah, he does it all the time, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, great run. And and Craig's is Craig's is right. If you think back in his career, he was that type of centre forward that ran the channels as an absolute pest to fullbacks. But centre forwards, you want them scoring goals, and the only way you're going to score goals is in between the sticks, and that's where he's. The vast majority of his runs now um, are happening, and that's a great run. A great ball for Nathan Parts, no doubt about it, but great run for, for Lyndon Dykes. And that's obviously something that he's brought to his game since he's went down to the Championship in England. Don't bring your Northern Ireland-induced pain into the <laughs> studio, Stephen Cragen, because it's amazing how things turned around, though, isn't it? We were looking at Northern Ireland as a model not so very long ago and thinking how much they'd achieved uh, with a squad of very few stars. Mm. Uh, things on the, the downward trend at the moment. Pressure in Ian Barraclough. Yeah, listen, if you've won three out of 18 games, then you're always going to be under pressure four out of 18 games when you include the playoff. So naturally, uh, you know, when we lose our better players, you know, Stephen Davis is 36, but you lose the likes of Chris Brunt retired, Chris Baird retired, Aaron Hughes retired over the years. Johnny Evans hasn't played for the last four or five games. So Gareth McCauley re uh, retired. So that was the kind of group that went to tw uh, Euro 2016. We can't afford to be losing those kind of players and not replace them. We've got a really small pool of players. Uh, Ian, Ian's tried to bring in some young players from the under-21s, young centre-half Daniel Ballard from Arsenal, Shane Lavery, who was at Linfield last year in the Irish League, now scoring goals for Blackpool. He got injured at the weekend. Ali McCann has come in, who was previously at St. Johnson now. So there's going to have to be a, a degree of patience till these young players get up to speed and, and get themselves 20, 30 caps. However, as a manager, you're going to be judged on winning games. And clearly over the past year, which has been a busy year, 18 games, haven't won enough games. So... Um, we've got Lithuania home next lost last night in Bulgaria a game we should have won we were 1-1 win at half time managed to lose the game 2-1 if they don't beat Lithuania next month at home uh, then I can imagine the noise will get a little bit louder with regards to the future of the manager but I'm hopeful we can beat Lithuania at home It's amazing isn't it Barry how quickly the complexion can change I mean it's that downward slide at the moment for Northern Ireland Scotland on the way up and you look back two years ago at that, at that last qualification group um, and this time two years ago Scotland were below Kazakhstan and Cyprus yeah, I think in we'll, that group table I think we only had five or six points yep. in that, that group and um, look at the, the points we're on now mm -hmm. we can still get more because there's two games obviously uh, remaining but the job Steve Clark's done um, has been phenomenal I, I can't believe some of the stick that he gets um, he's clearly a, a top coach as I said to you earlier on in the programme it was a slow burner he first came in and made this really solid and compact and, and difficult to beat. And then each game you can see the progression. Um, and you see, the thing that I love is when I watch the players do interviews and you look at the squad, um, obviously it turned up for this doubleheader, 24 named, 24 turn up. Mm -hmm. That shows you they're desperate to be part of uh, the Scotland team. As in previous, maybe... When previous managers, previous campaigns, you were getting four, five, six call-offs. Um, yep. He's created a real a real spirit. Um, the boys clearly want to turn up and clearly want to play uh, under Steve Clark, And it's shown with the performances and the results. And you look at the ages as well. This yeah. is a squad... I mean, obviously Craig Gordon stands yeah. out as one who's coming to the end, but hopefully as a goalkeeper, he can have a couple of more good mm. years in him at the age of 38. But you look at Patterson, 20, he's 20 at the weekend. Uh, 
Um, Billy Gilmore is 20. Mm-hmm. Lots of 23s, 24s, 25s yeah. in that squad, 26s. Not many knocking 30, which is a great no. sign. Well, they've got another three or four campaigns in them, which means then you've got some Euros. You know, if, you know, if, if Scotland just now, where they were sitting in the Euro 2024 qualifiers, they would automatically qualify for the Euros. That's got to be their next target after the deal with the World Cup and they're more than capable of doing it. So I think that's the exciting thing. There's some improvement still in the team. I still think there's some still some young ones like likes of Aaron Hickey and Calvin Ramsey and Josh Dogg still to come below as also. Mm-hmm. So it just adds another layer to it. Turnbull still has to establish himself as an international midfield player. So there's challenges there for everybody. There's competition for places. It's an exciting time to be watching Scotland. Yeah. Sure is. Um, Stevie Clark will be agonising about some of the defensive stuff from last night, from Saturday as well. But look at the number of chances that Scotland are creating when you think about it, Barry, just over these two games. Yeah, there's positives, uh, positives and negatives. Um, and I think the one thing you'll be disappointed in is the, the goals and the chances that they, they've gave up defensively. But going forward, um, we look if we're... We look, we've got goal scorers in the team we've got midfielders that can score goals uh, and look, I look at it as in, I think we've got real top quality players and this this team will just continue to grow as you said they're at great ages they could be together for the next three or four campaigns and you know when you get a a team that's it, been together uh, I, I just I, I like the look at them I think we've got real chance of qualifying for this World Cup I really do. Love it. Yeah, you've got to be... Uh, you've got to be positive. And I look at the squad and the 24 players that he picked, there's a hell of a lot of quality in that. Barry, thanks very much. And Craig's as well. Scotland, like a late goal, did it again last night. Lyndon Dykes, how often has that happened in recent times? 1-0 Scotland, one win away from those playoffs. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Don't miss out on huge savings on your new taxi Available exclusively to the taxi trade Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi?